Blog Talk Radio. Detroit Pistons, you know, the other week, and um, 
you know, he was talking to Malik and uh, Mark about the possibility of, uh, you know, having a position within the organization. And uh, there was an interesting debate between Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless on first take a couple of days later, just kind of discussing that specific, um, you know, topic right there. Uh, what's your personal opinion on uh, on that matter? I was actually pretty surprised when I heard um, when I heard Alan say that that he was interested, you know, to, that he would have interest in even being involved in the Sixers front office. Um, you know, he earlier in the season he said that he would have no interest in coaching. Um, he doesn't necessarily seem like a uh, a front office type of guy, but at the same time, I mean, his loyalty and devotion to the franchise and the city of Philly itself is, um, you know, it's just obvious he has. Uh, most respect for the team and the city and the organization. And, uh, you know, that feeling is obviously mutual. I think the team would benefit um, from, a, from a partnership with him, you know, in any regard. I feel like the games that he goes now are some of the, the best draws. You know, every time it's announced that Iverson's going to be in attendance, people just want to be there, uh, you know, be there with him. I don't know necessarily his, you know, his chops in the front office as far as like a player evaluation, Italian evalu- talent evaluator. I mean, he was great. That that you know that doesn't always mean that you're the best at evaluating other people's talents. Just you know, look at Michael Jordan down in Charlotte, who <laughs> I mean, they're starting to be you know somewhat respectable, but struggled for years trying to patch together a team. Don't even bring up Adam Morrison, you know. But I mean, it's it's tough to tell exactly what Iverson would be able to bring to the front office itself. It's definitely funny to picture him and Sam Hinkie in the war room together, but uh, you know, <laughs> some sort of partnership. I think that the the team and the organization should work work something out. Whereas he has some sort of role within the franchise, I think that would work out well for both parties. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I love Down to Death as a player personally. Um, he actually had something called the Crossover Fan Club when I was younger, and uh, you know, I was I probably one that. of the first members <laughs> of that thing. Uh, you know, he sent me a signed picture of him um, that I still have, I believe. I got tickets to a game. I think I got, you know, a membership card of some sort. But, you know, as, as a smaller kid on the court, you know, he was someone I always looked up to. Um, but, you know, to represent your organization, I wouldn't want that at all. I mean, his track record is too long. Uh, he couldn't even finish out his career the right way, you know, when the team brought him back in 2010. And, uh, you know, he's done a ton over the years for me to respect him. Um, but, you know, he hasn't done anything for me to trust him in a role like that. Maybe as, like, kind of a brand ambassador, he could have that kind of role, you know, show up right, at certain yeah. events around the community, sort of like maybe World Be Free had done in years past. But, you know, I'm not trusting him with any kind of team decision role um, within the, <laughs> right. the organization. But, you know, what do you think there? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. Not not so much even his track record as much as just he's, like you said, he's never done anything to prove to, you know, that he would, you know, he would be qualified to have that sort of role. Uh, a brand ambassador is a great, um, you know, that that's a great idea. Something, I hate to compare Iverson and his talent to Drake and the Raptors, but, you know, something <laughs> like in that, something in that situation where there's just so much popularity for the individual that, you know, associating the team with him will could be beneficial and, you know, at least in this situation, Iverson's a player that, you know, played for the franchise and has real roots there. 
But um, like you said, I mean, I I wouldn't be really willing and ready to you know hand over front office decision making to uh to the answer at this point. And you know, one of the other more polarizing players for you know the Sixers franchise over the years uh, is Moses Malone. Uh, you know, Moses turned sixty on Monday. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He won, you know, league MVP with the Sixers the year they won the title in 1983. Uh, he ran, ranked 8th all-time in the NBA in points. Uh, he has the most offensive rebounds in NBA history, and he's, you know, the only player in league history to ever average 20 points and 10 rebounds on four different teams. But, you know, when you enter the Wells Fargo Center, his number two is not up there in the rafters. Uh, you know, the team says it's been taken out of circulation, but, you know, why haven't they officially retired his, you know, number two jersey yet? That, that's a, gr- a great question, Jeff, and it's something I've wondered myself. The only thing that I could maybe think of is that, you know, like he was with, you know, a couple other franchises throughout his career, and he's not necessarily, you know, when you think of Moses Malone, some people would think of the Rockets, some people might think of, like, you know, the Hawks toward the end of his career. Obviously, people in Philly think championship and think Sixers. Uh, that's, like, the only thing that I can rationalize why maybe it hasn't been done yet because he's not as easily, you know, identified with the Sixers as a guy like Iverson. I mean, you think Allen Iverson, you think Sixers basketball. Um, I, I guess it, for some it's not necessarily the same like that with Moses. But like you said, I mean, just based off – winning the MVP here, bringing, finally helping them, that team get over the hump and get that title, um, you know, in 83. I feel like that alone is deserving of him having a spot up there in the rafters at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, but then, you you know, you look back to Will Chamberlain. He only played on the Sixers for four years. And, um, you know, I think one of the things about, I guess, Moses Malone, people – you know, always say is he's one of the worst public speakers of all time. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if that uh, takes anything away from him. Maybe they don't they don't want him around the microphone. You know, when his his jersey is being hung in the rafters. But uh, <laughs> you know, I in my opinion, this guy deserves his due. You know, he's 60 years old. Give him that you know thing to go out with, having his number up there in the rafters. Uh, you know, Iverson got it. Um, you know, after being out of the league for four years. Um, so if his number is retired, I, I think, you know, Moses, you know, has a good case to be up there as well. Uh, obviously, he only played five seasons through his uniform, but, um, you know, not many guys were able to do what he's been able to do in those five seasons. Uh, you know, he really dominated on the court. He won you a title. I think the organization's better than this, and, you know, they should – probably, you know, within the next five years, finally hang it up and, uh, you know, end that 20-year drought of his number not being up there. But, uh, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kapsky Blamine. And uh, going back to the current pictures here, uh, Nerland Noel finally moved back into first place on NBA.com's rookie ladder, and he's just been playing simply sensational recently. Uh, you know, he had 14 points, 15 rebounds, four steals, four blocks, and two assists in the win over the Nuggets on Wednesday. And just three games before that, he had 23 points, 14 rebounds, five steals, and three blocks in the win over the Knicks. Um, 
I think he may have just, you know, taken position right now over Andrew Wiggins for Rookie of the Year, maybe just by a slight margin. But, uh, Mike, can can he uh, keep this up here? And, uh, you know, do you feel like he's more deserving of this award at the moment over Wiggins? I definitely think that he can keep it up. I feel like the more, you know, as the season's gone on, he's only gotten better. Um, instead of instead of, you know, getting worn down through the rigors of his first NBA season, it's almost been the opposite. He's looked more energized and confident and aggressive over the past month than he did earlier in the season, um, you know, where he looked kind of lost and maybe a little bit more timid. Uh, so I think he can definitely keep it up for the remainder of the season. Um, uh, you know, it's just great, great momentum to take into the off season. It, you know, the fact that he's only missed four games so far and none of it with, you know, with the knee injury is huge. Um, you know, just to his, as far as his comeback goes, as far as the rookie of the year award goes, I mean, as much as I would love for to have Sixers get it back to back years in a row, when it comes down to it at the end, I don't know if he'll be able to, um, overtake Wiggins just because it's been Noel's uh, improvement play has been more recent. I mean, yeah, right now he's he's certainly more impactful on the court than Wiggins has been as of late, but, um, you know, uh, that's a development that his play has really sparked up in the past two months, whereas Wiggins, I mean, he's gotten better over the year too, but he came out early, him and Jabari, before Parker went down with the injury. They were both, you know, Wiggins is up averaging around 15 a game, um, shooting around 40% from the field, and he's been decent uh, defensively. And he's been doing it throughout the year. Uh, you know, Miritich from Chicago and Alfred Payton, too, have also been playing well lately. Um, but I, I feel like when when it comes down to it at the end, I think Wiggins just has the advantage. He's kind of been in the, the pole position throughout the season. And I think that, you know, it's 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 a rookie of the year award. As much as I would like to have Noel get it, uh I think in the end Wiggins has a little bit stronger of a resume of his rookie year. Um what do you what about, what do you think? I you know, at the moment I think it's attainable. Um I really think his offensive game is what really shocked me this season. You know, since the all star break, he's been shooting just over forty nine percent from the field, sixty eight percent from the charity stripe and you know, that free throw line especially is usually, you know, an indicator of, you know, a developing shot in the league. And he shot just, you know, 44% from the field and 56% in those categories before the All-Star break. And, you know, it's really been incredible to watch. I'm really proud of him as a player. And if he can really add some serious muscle to his frame in the off season, you might be looking at, you know, the next White Howard type force on the, on the defensive end. And, um, you know, what's your comparison at the moment for Nerlens in terms of, you know, players in the league? Well, it's great because I feel like at the beginning of the season, if you had thrown out a Dwight Howard comparison, I probably would have laughed at you a little bit. But, I mean, the way he's playing right now, honestly, the guy's the limit um, as far as him defensively. He, he would need to bulk up a little bit to uh, – to fill out that role of, like, a, a really dominant center like Dwight. Uh, one comparison that's been thrown around that I see some similarity in him, too, is uh, Serge Ibaka, who, you know, the Thunder's uh, power forward, who's really athletic and can kind of run the floor. And, is, uh, you know, he's been in top five in the league in blocks over, you know, each of the past few seasons. I um, mean, yeah, I see some of Noel in him, but I think I think Noel has a little bit more ability to patrol the paint and, you know, stand as an anchor. And, you know, Noel could play either center or power forward for the Sixers, which is a, a nice advantage, especially as his, um, his shot gets, gets a little more consistent with that 10, 15-footer. 
which has already shown some improvement in over the season. So, I mean, I, I really think that, you know, the sky's the limit for Noel defensively. I think there's no doubt that he's going to be competing for, uh, you know, multiple, multiple defensive player of the year awards, um, you know, down the line throughout his career. And I think he can have a similar impact. There's not one particular guy uh, that I think he, he reminds me of exactly. He has some characteristics of, like, Joakim Noah, even how uh, the Bulls are on the offense through him at the top of the key, and he can kind of like, get out and spark things, uh, you know, similarity there. But, I mean, I think the Sixers are in for a treat. I think they really have a guy that's a, a unique a unique defensive presence that really can develop in, like, a dominant force down the stretch. Um, but, yeah, what, uh, do you have any comparisons for him a little bit better than mine? Yeah, I mean, to start the season, um, I was more along the lines of the Tyson Chandler train. I thought that that might be a good comparison to him, you know, to live up to in the future. Yeah, the way he's been so active in the steals department, I mean, it almost feels like he's creating his own role, um, you know, as a player. I I don't think you can really compare him as much to anyone in the league right now. just how active he is um, coming to the ball and disrupting passes. Um, you know, not, not many big men can do what he's doing out there on the court, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, Mike, just when you thought the Thunder were really down and out, um, you know, they've now climbed back into 11th place in the NBA, and that obviously is good news for us. Uh, you know, the pick currently transfers to the Sixers at 19. And um, it's a really tight race record-wise between them, the Wizards, and the Raptors, you know, all within two games of each other. Uh, With everything going wrong in Washington right now, is there any doubt in your mind that the Thunder don't finish ahead of them by the end of the season? Uh, I don't think so. I think they will. And I don't think, you know, obviously in the the championship realm, the the news today of uh, Kevin Durant having to shut it down for the season um, you know, that obviously crushes the Thunder and any hopes they had of advancing far in the playoffs. But as far as the regular season is concerned, they have to, you know, they, they obviously still want to make the playoffs and they have to be concerned with Phoenix and New Orleans, you know, breathing down their back. They got themselves a little bit of breathing room. I think they have three-game lead over the uh, Suns right now. But, I mean, Russ Westbrook is going to be in beast mode for the rest of the season uh, without Durant without Durant and Ibaka. And, uh, you know, I think he's just going to be determined to lead that team to the playoffs and show, you know, this is kind of his chance for he's, – he's heard the criticisms over the years, you know, that he's he should be deferring to Durant and things like that. And this is kind of his opportunity to just show, you know, this is what I can do. I'm myself a superstar. Um, you know, he's obviously been doing that over the past couple of months, and I, I think that'll just continue for the, the um, remainder of the regular season, which is good news for the Sixers and the pick. And like you said, Washington and Toronto are both just, uh, you know, they're crumbling before our eyes, basically. There were two teams that at the beginning of the season you thought really could have taken some steps forward and made some noise in the playoffs this year, and now they're both kind of limping toward the end of the season. So, I mean... I I do believe that that Thunder pick at least will come over this year. Um, do you think that too? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't really see the Pelicans and Suns climbing that far up enough to you know take the Thunder out of the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I really don't see any way the Sixers don't get this pick. The Wizards are just a complete mess right now. Uh, fans were so outraged when uh, Randy Whitman decided to start leaving the game early the other night before it was over. 
And um, unless the bucks somehow, you know, surge up in the wind column or, um, you know, the suns, I really don't see a team passing the thunder right now. You know, one of those ones that would, you know, knock out that Sixers pick uh, coming over. And, you know, you have likely the league MVP on your team. That alone should at least, you know, keep you afloat at 500 the rest of the way. And I don't know if they'll need too much more wins in that column to, you know, get the job done in the Western Conference. Um, but, you right. know, moving on, we had uh, Jordan McRae lighted up for Delaware the other night, hitting for 39. Uh, Robert Covington's now hit back-to-back 20-point 20, 20 games in the last two games. Um, how excited are you at the possibility of both of these players really just, you know, stretching the floor for this team next season? Uh, I'm pretty excited, Justin. They've really done a pretty good job of gathering some wing players. And it's not even to mention uh, GR3, Glenn Robinson, who, I mean, I think really could be a good pro and has just been buried on the bench since he's arrived at Philly. But, uh, you know, Covington, is he's going to end up serving as, like, the, uh, the example of kind of like, I feel, Hinky's methods of madness by, you know, the constant overturning of players looking for a gem. I mean, Covington is really turning into the type of guy that can, like you said, just stretch a defense and be like a legitimate, legitimate perimeter go-to guy for for an offense that can just spread a floor, knock down clutch shots. Um, you know, his his potential on the offensive end, I think, is is really high. Um, even just to expand past his shooting, he's already started to put the ball on the ground. And, uh, you know, same with Jordan McRae, whose athleticism he showed. I haven't seen much of him, obviously, this season in the D-League and uh, overseas, but you know, what he showed last year in summer league, just the athleticism, the ability to ta- attack the basket, and the ability to knock down shots on the perimeter if the, if the uh, you know, point guard drives and kicks. That's a, it's a new dimension for the Sixers, obviously one they'll need, but one that they haven't had too much of um, up until Covington's emergence recently. So I, I just think combined with the potential of three or four lotto picks, or first-round picks, excuse me, in the upcoming draft, um, you know, whoever other players they might bring in, you know, either, uh, you know, unsigned guys or free agents. I think that there's, you know, the wing positions are starting to fill out. Um, so I'm definitely excited about that. That begs the question, though. I mean, would you say that finding, you know, these shooting talents is possibly like the the easiest thing for a team to bring in? You know, Jordan McRae was picked, you know, the second to last pick, in the uh, second round of uh, the past year's draft. And um, Robert Covington signed um, undrafted, you know, to have two of these unknowns, you know, display what they have over the past year. Like, how great has it been to watch just the development of these two? Uh, It's been, I mean, for me, that's been the highlight of, you know, one of the highlights of the past two seasons since Sam and Brett kind of took over watching the development of some of these younger guys. And, uh, you know, especially Covington, because he's a guy that I think um, can really be a part of, you know, the foundation going forward, building back up into a championship team, whether or not he's a starting caliber forward or if he's a guy you bring off the bench for, you know, 18, 20 minutes a game for some offense and stretch on the floor. I think he really has potential to be a piece um, for this team. And Jordan McRae possibly could be too with uh, what he brings to the offensive end. I think it just shows that, you know, you, you, there are there are benefits to mining for talent, looking at guys that might have been passed up by other teams. 
Um, I think that that's something too that it's not necessarily going to stop when the Sixers have established a core in a couple of the coming years and begin to compete. I feel like that's almost a sign of you know smart general managing and smart teams now bringing in you know guys that might have been young guys that have looked over with low contract like low reward, low risk high reward type scenarios. Um, it's a it's a smart way to build a team and uh, you know guys like Jordan McRae like you said that was such a late second round pick and. Covington, who was undrafted, you know, you try out enough guys like the Sixers have over the past couple of years, and, you know, you might just get lucky and find a couple of guys like that. So, Mike, we got, you know, a little bit of season here left. Uh, going up against the daunting task of playing the Clippers again, uh, and then <laughs> the Cavaliers after that. So, you know, it's going to be some some very tough games. We all remember just how the Clippers destroyed the Sixers last season with uh, – you know, I, I think they probably had like 30 dunks in that game. <laughs> but um, you know, what what can you expect of the rest of the season here? And you know, why should the fans be tuning in? Um, and you know, what should this team really be be focusing on down the stretch here? I mean, I think as it has been all season, I think the main focus for the rest of the season is just be on development of some of these guys. Um, I think they've done enough winning for the season. I mean, realistically, <laughs> I mean, you know, people prior to the season starts and people thought that they would challenge the record for their own record for futility, um, you know, nine wins total on the season, blew past that. They didn't set any, you know, they, they avoided the longest losing streak to start a season. They avoided the longest mm-hmm. losing streak in, in general. You know, they, they played hard every night, I feel like at first the city and then even people across the country at large started to realize that, you know, despite the outcome and that they weren't necessarily winning games, they were playing hard and like competing against and even beating some of the league's better teams. They're, you know, real close to two games away from their win total of last year. I think they proved like everything that you could really prove from the, you know, standpoint of we're not just laying down and dying out there. You know, I think they did everything they could. We we applaud their effort all season. And now I think it would be okay if they kind of just laid back, let a couple more losses pile up, and, you know, give the guys a chance. I want to. I would love to see, you know, Thomas Robinson get a little more burn, um, some more playing time. He's going to be a decision in the off season. Like I mentioned earlier, I'd love to see Glenn Robinson get some burn in there because that's another guy. He's on a one-year deal kind of similar to the structure of what KJ signed, so we'll have you know, the decision of whether or not he'd be he'd be worth trying to bring back next year. So, I mean, I'd really like to see the uh, outcomes aside, uh, you know, this continued development. I'd like to see Noel continuing to play with the, you know, determination and ferocity that he's been playing with. And uh, I guess I'd like to see the Lakers and the Thunder keep racking up some wins and the Sixers <laughs> losing probably. <laughs> what, uh, what are you looking for for the, uh, the last couple of weeks of the stretch run down here? Yeah, I want them to, you know, close out um, playing hard, showcasing some of the players that might not have gotten as much playing time, you know, to start the season. Um, You know, yeah, Glenn Glenn Robinson, he's a guy that I'd like to take a look at more in depth. And, uh, you know, I'm still not really – you know, I haven't seen enough of Isaiah Cannon yet to really give a good, um, I guess, comparison – to, you know, how he's played from when he started to now. So, you know, a couple of the guys on the team um, I'd like to see just really uh, try their best to end the season, maybe like a Jeremy Grant, um, 
you know, maybe he can get a few starts out there as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Uh, I want them to lose. <laughs> I hope that the, the Lakers will win as well. And, um, you know, hopefully come lottery time, a couple of teams will jump in there and push uh, the Lakers out. So <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, see what happens good. with all of that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, once again, you know, this was the State of Independence podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report or on the app Stitcher as well. Um, we'll catch you next week with a bunch more Sixers topics. And, uh, you know, that's all we got for today. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Cheeks and Moses Malone, Julius Serva called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you wanna make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Wanna get downtown but feel in the fix? Get on that road they call 676. The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate they ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got the game. Seventy-sixers, travel by me, this Larry Bird. Get it on. Seventy-sixers, travel by me, this Larry Bird. Shoot the middleman out of the sky.